This is News Talks on the Record with me, Kevin Doyle, in for Kieran today. Now, Vincent Hanley, or Fab Vinny, was a true Irish celebrity. He was a regular face on MTV, back when MTV was at the cutting edge of music programming. He brought the best of New York into thousands of Irish homes, but when the AIDS epidemic hit in the 1980s, Vinny was its most high-profile Irish victim. We're joined now by Donald Fallon for another edition of Hidden Histories. This afternoon, Donald. We're going back to a time when there was music on MTV. Yeah, yeah. That, that in itself makes <laughs> yeah. this history, which is bizarre, because um, we don't do that really anymore, no, do we? we don't. We don't have we don't. those celebrity... Celebrity DJ means something very, very different now, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the past week, and, and there's been lots of publicity around it, did mark World AIDS Day. So I suppose in that way, it's fitting that we're talking about someone like Vincent Hanley because a lot of listeners will remember him, but I suppose yeah. for a younger generation, uh, that name will mean very little. You know that old saying, the, the past is a foreign country. It's, it's not a foreign country, it's a different country. And I thought it was incredible yesterday to see the Taoiseach uh, and also the leaders of the opposition parties taking that HIV test. And I just thought that was a beautifully symbolic thing for World AIDS Day. And, you know, you could you could talk about the AIDS crisis of the 1980s from many, many different angles. But what put this into my head, the Project Arts Theatre uh, in Temple Bar, which has its own incredibly rich history, uh, in recent days has had a really wonderful play uh, by my friend Tony Walsh, entitled, brilliantly, I Am Tony Walsh, in which Tony, who is the archivist of the of the Irish Queer Archive, he spoke very beautifully about the, the AIDS epidemic, and believe me, it was an epidemic that ravaged Ireland uh, in the 1980s. And I think as a historian, you know, it was a, a kind of powerful awakening for me. There's something that I think has been largely pushed aside. It's a difficult, difficult subject. And with yesterday being World AIDS Day, there could be no better, no better, more fitting opportunity to look at someone like Fab Finney uh, than today. Yeah, and I suppose like like many people that found themselves in his situation, but he was very public in one sense, but very private yeah. around all everything that was happening with his health. He was never out, you know, as as a gay man, but he was a very very public figure. And I don't think it is an exaggeration to say he was a true one of the first real Irish celebrities of the, of, of the modern day. And it is someone that was both very public and very very private. Now we need to frame this in that bigger discussion, you know, of how Ireland remembers and commemorates its victims of the AIDS epidemic, because he is probably the only one of them that we can name, you know. Of the top of our heads. But it, I mean, the, the extent of the crisis is, is quite extraordinary. And he was a popular figure in both the Irish and the international mainstream. And his debt really made its presence felt both near and far and opened up a very crucial discussion uh, around it. Yeah, well, maybe give us a little bit of the context of the AIDS epidemic and I suppose in Ireland, because it's not something we have, it's only maybe now in yeah. latter years that we actually do talk about it. So before we go back and we, we go through Vinny's career, maybe give us a little bit about the context. I was very struck by, by Tony Walsh's words. You know, he's talking about the need for a memorial to the victims of AIDS in Ireland and he says you know we must collect our tears and build from them a memorial a physical totem to the destruction and loss from AIDS in Ireland this memorial will begin the ritual work of reconciliation and awareness that is so important to developing a more holistic HIV education culture and I mean the, the figure that Tony puts out there and the figure that historians kind of generally agree on is that at least 300 people lost their lives in the heavy days of the 1980s and AIDS was a vicious killer and it kind of made its presence felt right across all communities and right across all social classes uh, as well. So Vinny then, he, I suppose, radio was probably where he was most yeah. familiar to, to, to people, or at least started out anyway. No one better to talk about him than on the radio, because he dominated the radio. He, he was as a radio celebrity in Ireland that he first kind of came to, to public prominence and kind of captivated audiences here and became known brilliantly as, as Fab Vinny. Uh, and Larry Gogan puts it so well. He says, you know, if he'd lived on, he would have been a worldwide DJ. Ireland was too small for him. He would appeal to an audience anywhere. His love of music, his love of radio shone through him. He was a genius for radio. You'd have to wonder now in this era of social media 
media and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it where he might have been because yeah. that was a very grey Ireland and he stood out at that time. The Ireland of the 1980s is an incredibly great place of it. It's defined by, what is it defined by? It's defined by mass immigration. It's defined by, you know, political uncertainty and troubles in the north as well, among other things. And it came from Clonmel. He was born in, 1950, in the 1950s in, in, in Clonmel. And it was a rapidly changing world because television and radio, you know, were born in his lifetime. Or he was only born in the 1960s. So there was a kind of consumptive music culture that was born around the same time as him. And he declined offers in both Dublin and London and went stateside, which was a very bold move, you know, for a young man uh, in, the, in the 70s and 80s for a career and presented music television there from the 70s. But he was an MTV celebrity at a time when MTV really meant something, you know, this mm. dashing young man from an island, an island where homosexuality was still criminalised. And again, the point that he was never out is an important part of this, of this story. But I think in New York, you could be whoever you wanted to be. Yeah, and uh, things have changed significantly, I suppose, now. And it, this is an illness that somebody could live with. But back then... It was totally, totally not. I mean, people didn't know what to do with it. That was the problem. I mean, today you can live through things like prep and the like, but at the time there was there was no sense of that whatsoever. But like the the, the way Hanley is written about by contemporaries is so beautiful. Donald Lynch writes about him as being handsome and styled out in a mustached Marlboro man look, fashionable amongst gay men in the eighties. He understood pop culture like none of the other wide mouth upstarts of his generation. They stood behind, content to be big fishes in the small pond. Fab Vinny, meanwhile, flew off to New York at the first opportunity. So I think New York was this great land of opportunity, not least uh, for a gay man like Vinny. So what happened when he's over there? I mean, you don't, even today, you don't just decide to go from Dublin land in New York and it becomes home. Mm, well, I mean, in, in America, essentially what he does is while he's in America, he's better known to Irish audiences because he's bringing that back home. So the programme is called MTUSA. It goes out every Sunday afternoon. And a friend of mine, we were talking about this last night, she said it was the only good thing about Ireland in the 1980s was MTUSA. There was nothing like it. So you had this you know, fella from Clonmel on the streets of New York, dressed brilliantly, and this American mainstream culture being beamed into thousands of Irish homes through him. So it really was, it was this, America, unless you'd emigrated there and worked in a building site or something, America was this very exotic place. You know, most young Irish people would never get to see Manhattan. And here you had Manhattan brought into your house in Dublin every Sunday morning. So it was, it was just, it was remarkable. And Una Mullally's written quite a beautiful piece on Vinnie and how it was quite difficult to do this. I mean, to, to record a programme in America and air it in Ireland was not like today. I mean, it took an awful lot of work. And she said that because RTE's signal was still analogue, many videos had to be converted, which couldn't happen in Ireland. So the videos were flown to London, converted there and couriered back to Dublin. There was no standard sound mix, so a sound engineer was on hand during the edit to boost and re-equalise the video sound, the suit being broadcast on mono. So it was a very difficult task to get this programme from the streets of Manhattan into your house in Marino or Cabra or Crumlin. But even the sale, the sales pitch of this American television, I mean, why is there a guy from Clonmel walking down the streets in New York telling us about music uh, that then is getting to us via London. The I sales think, pitch is even difficult. I think he was just so cool. You know, I think he was a he was born in Clonmel, but he was a, he was a citizen of the world. And you know, in the words of one contemporary, to me, he looked like one of the village people, or maybe a younger tinner Freddie Mercury. You could look like that in the nineteen eighties, and even be in a band called Queen, and most people back then wouldn't have understood what it indicated. But you know, New York wasn't wasn't Clonmel. New York wasn't even Dublin. It was a city where you know, someone like Vinnie could be themselves. It was the place where the Stonewall riots had happened. In many ways, it's the birthplace of the modern LGBT movement. And I think he just slid right into New York society and fit into New York society perfectly. But then the story, I suppose, takes the dark uh, and tragic twist because by 1987, yeah. he was he was clearly ill and even viewers were starting to comment on he, it. He looked on well on television. You know, he, he lost an awful lot of weight and he didn't have an awful lot of weight to lose. And he was very gaunt, clearly ill. 
And, you know, in Ireland where he wasn't out, rumours of AIDS were kind of dismissed by his family and, and, and people around him. But now, of course, the, the, the truth is well known. And he's only 33 years of age. Very, very young. I mean, that's the the, Christ, the, the, the tragedy, really, of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, you talk about it's... people squeezing a lot into a short life, but... How young most of the victims of the crisis actually were. You know, and, and, and Cheryl Doherty has said that. You know, I can still see him standing proudly on vibrant New York seat streets, comfortable in his own skin in a way he could never be at home, wildly sharing his latest enthusiasms and enjoying our reactions. And his funeral in Clonmel is this enormous spectacle. I mean, the great and the good of international broadcasting were in attendance. I was only looking at pictures of it actually yesterday and Pat Kenny was there, among many others. And it was a very powerful thing. I mean, it was, it was like the Irish media community was saying we accept Vinny. We know what Vinny was, but he's part of, he was part of our community. And it kind of perfectly exposed the hypocrisies of those times, you know, pre-decriminalisation in Ireland. Everyone knew these things. Everyone knew gay people, and yet it all went unspoken. And he was the most high-profile victim of something that ravaged Irish towns and cities, but in particular here in Dublin. And it was misunderstood. It was badly reported on. You know, people believed you could get AIDS from kissing somebody. It was absolutely mad. But symbolically, you know, both the Taoiseach and the opposition party leaders took that HIV test in recent days. And to me, that highlighted the kind of changing perceptions and attitudes. Buildings around town, like the Mansion House, were lit up red to mark World AIDS Day. So, you know, Vinnie, Fab Vinnie is the one that we can name. Most of the victims of the AIDS crisis in Ireland have been largely forgotten. And I think a fitting memorial is necessary to change that. Yeah, we don't really have anything. You're right. I, I saw the images during the week of the, the Taoiseach. And, and actually, the, the more striking picture was probably the one he wasn't in. It was the one where in Leinster House, the leaders of all the opposition parties, he couldn't actually make that one lined up. And they, that same day, they'd all been rowing with each other about half an hour previous in the Dáil Chamber, but it had gone out to do this. So it is, we are, we are moving to that point where it is a recognisable thing. That was thing, a beautiful but, image, wasn't it? And, you know, remembrance and commemoration of the past, it's a it's a very, very difficult thing. And there's been some attempts at kind of trying to commemorate this crisis. There's a really beautiful uh, memorial quilt uh, to those who lost their lives, which is kind of some insight into them as individuals, a really stunning piece of work. But other cities like Toronto, you know, they have memorial parks to those people that lost their lives in this crisis. And I think people like Tony Walsh, who's doing such great work, eventually we will see a fitting monument. Uh, and it will not only be about remembrance, but also about awareness in a contemporary sense. Yeah, I think we'll probably see it sooner rather than later as well. I think the way the debate sure. has moved on. Absolutely. But um, Donald Fallon, thank you very much. Author of the Come Here To Me blog and book volume two. Uh, that's it from me today, filling in for Kieran Cudahy. Off the Ball is up next here on News Talk. Lots of sport going on. My thanks to the production team, Roisin Davis and Stephen Jordan with Peter Malloy on sound. Now, to play you out, good bit of coverage this week because uh, this is kind of history in itself, Donald. Yes, it is. What an album. What an album. The 50th anniversary of Van Morrison's Astral Week. So, we'll leave you with this. Enjoy your Sunday. Clear, clean water for the quench my thirst. And I shall watch the ferry boats and they'll get high. On a blue ocean, yes, tomorrow's sky. And I will never grow so old And I will walk and talk in gardens all with the rain. Oh, oh, sweet thing, sweet thing. Yeah. 
Well, I shall drown.